Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week wraps up our four-week teaching series, Said No One Ever. This week, we look at the statement, I want to be a fool, said no one ever. I mean, who says that? Join us as Ben Jones, our communication pastor, takes us through parts of Proverbs, and we look at how we can gain wisdom. Well, good morning, and welcome to this post-Thanksgiving Sunday morning. There's nothing quite like a good turkey hangover, is there? Now, Pastor Eric is on vacation today. I heard from him yesterday. He's having a great time with his family, and we're glad that he's able to have that time off, and you're stuck with me today. But when the pastor's away, we get to do whatever we want, right? So I hope that this week you enjoyed some time off of work, hopefully, and I hope you were able to enjoy some meaningful time with friends and family, and I've always really loved this time of year, the holiday season. I know it's sort of annoying to some, but I really embrace it all. I love beginning to see the lights come up everywhere, going to the malls and the shopping centers and hearing the Christmas music all around and the Christmas TV specials that come on. And I've always sort of been this Christmas time junkie. But I really can't believe that it is already here again. And a matter of fact, next Sunday, right here at Valley Point, we begin our Christmas teaching series. It's going to be called Oh Little Town. And I'm excited about this series because each week we're going to be looking at some significant things that came out of a little insignificant town called Bethlehem. But along with that, we're going to be going on location to some local little towns. We're going to be uncovering some of their history. And you're not going to want to miss this. I love history. And this series is going to be very engaging. It's going to be educational, but at the same time be very spiritually meaningful. And next week, we kick off this series by taking a look at this little town, the town of Glen Mills, And I've got a little sneak peek at this, and you're not going to want to miss it. And invite a friend to join you next week. It'll be a great day to do that as well. But today, today we get to wrap up this series that we've been in over the past several weeks called Said No One Ever. And we've been playing off of these little sarcastic sayings that have littered our social networks and greeting cards. And it's these little Said No One Ever phrases And we've sort of contrasted those, and we've been talking about some things that somebody once did say. And a matter of fact, it's a very wise man said these things, a man named Solomon. And he wrote the majority of the book of Proverbs, and we've been walking through some of that. And Proverbs is really a compilation of his wise sayings and his insights and some general truths that most often in times hold true. And I wanted to have a little fun this morning. So I thought it might be fun if we kicked off the little holiday edition to said no one ever. Are you guys ready for this? Let's start with Thanksgiving. How about this? I want my entire Thanksgiving dinner shoved into a hoagie roll. Said no one ever. What are these things? gobblers or bobbies, I don't care what you call them. You may as well just throw your Thanksgiving dinner into a blender. These things are nasty. I might be a little biased on this one. But what about Christmas? And if you have young kids, there's some dynamics that come along with Christmas time. So how about this one? 
I love trying to explain the difference between Santa and Jesus to my three-year-old. Said no one ever. Or what about this one? Wow, that's a really nice Christmas sweater. Said no one ever. No offense. You have to give me that fruitcake recipe. Said no one ever. And this one could probably hold true any day of the year. I went to Target and only bought what I went there to get. Said no one ever. My wife and I were just at Target last night, and we saw a friend of ours here from church, and I'm pretty sure that in both of our buggies there was something we didn't intend to purchase. I know there were a couple things for us. And then lastly, here's a little bonus. Here's one that I just liked. You can have my leftover bacon. Said no one ever. You see, these are just things that nobody ever says. And we want to contrast that with some things that someone did once say. And I thought it would be interesting today if we get a little bit of a backstory on Solomon to sort of see, okay, where did all this wisdom come from? This is a fascinating story because Solomon was actually given the opportunity to ask for anything that he wanted. And all of this is documented in the Old Testament. And we're going to read that together to sort of get a context for how all of this went down. And it's found in 1 Kings chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 5. It says that that night there in Gibeon, God appeared to Solomon in a dream. God said, what can I give you? Ask. Solomon said, you were extravagantly generous in love with David, my father. Now, this was the great King David, the one who as a young man slew the mighty giant Goliath, the mighty warrior who the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. And now we have his son, Solomon. He goes on to say, now, here am I. God, my God, you have made me your servant, ruler of the kingdom in place of David, my father. I'm too young for this, a mere child. I don't know the ropes. I hardly know the ins and the outs of this job. But here I am, set down in the middle of the people you have chosen. A great people, far too many to ever count. So here's what I want. Give me a God-listening heart so I can lead your people well, discerning the difference between good and evil. For who on their own is capable of leading your glorious people? God, the master, was delighted with Solomon's response. And God said to him, because you have asked for this... And you haven't grasped after long life or riches or the doom of your enemies, but you have asked for the ability to lead and govern well, I will give you what you've asked for. I'm giving you a wise and a mature heart. There's never been one like you before, and there will be no one after. And here, as a bonus, I'm giving you both the wealth and the glory you didn't ask for. There's not a king anywhere who will come up to your mark And if you stay the course, keeping your eyes on the life map and the God signs as your father David did, I'll also give you long life. This is fascinating. So what did Solomon know? What did he realize that so many of us wouldn't have even thought to have asked for if given this opportunity? And why was God so pleased with what Solomon asked for? You know, through this series, I think we found that there's something to this thing called wisdom. We spent the past several weeks looking at some of these insights from Solomon. And Eric has laid out 
some very insightful and practical biblical principles for us to follow to help us live a life of more intention, to realize that the things we do affect those around us. And that's been great here on Sundays. But at some point, we all have to make the turn and begin to find this thing called wisdom on our own through personal experience and through a personal relationship with God. Because coming here on Sundays and singing together and hearing what God has for us each week, that's vital for our spiritual health. But you know what the true sign of spiritual health and spiritual maturity is? It's being able to gain some of these insights on your own throughout the week through personal experience and through a personal relationship and time you spend with God. That can be difficult because of this thing, wisdom and gaining wisdom, it's not an exact science. There's a lot of different opinions on what wisdom is. It's a lot of different strategies about going out and getting it. I actually found something interesting this week, and I wanted to share it with you. It's a video, and you'll recognize some of the individuals in this video, but it's just some people talking about this thing, wisdom. So watch that with me right now. Wisdom, to me, isn't an answer anyway. Wisdom is a question. It's like your mother saying, where have you been to this time of night? The question was the answer. She didn't want you to tell her. Wisdom is about experience, which hopefully would include risk-taking and being somewhat adventurous. It is more blessed to give than to receive because in giving, although it doesn't seem so, you receive. You don't stop doing things because you get old. You get old because you stop doing things. I get sillier as I get older, so I don't know what... I don't know what wisdom means. It's awfully sad that with our clever brain capable of taking us to the moon, we seem to have lost wisdom. And that's the wisdom of the indigenous people who would make a major decision based on how will this decision affect our people seven generations ahead. It's not about brains. It's not about the accumulation of knowledge. It's about being decent. It's a play, isn't it? You know, you've got to get through the third act. You really have. And you've got to finish as strongly as you began. And, and if that's the, the proposition, then uh, get to work. You can't get to wonderful without passing through all right. You can't skip from not being able to function all the way over to running the whole show. One of the reasons um, I haven't slipped into some sort of retirement is I always feel like I'm learning something new all the time. I don't know if political change can affect that much. The change has to be in the heart. Life is not perfect. It never will be. You just have to make the very best of it. And you have to open your heart to what the world can show you. And sometimes it's terrifying and sometimes it's incredibly beautiful. And I'll take both. Thanks. So based on weeks of searching and looking for some insight on this thing called wisdom, I found one thing. Nobody really knows. Nobody seems to know. You could say very deep and insightful things, and some of them actually have some truth to them, but everyone seems to have a little bit of a different spin 
on this thing, wisdom. What exactly is it? Where do you find it? And what are the benefits of gaining it? We're going to take a look this morning at some universal ideas about wisdom, some things that I think we can all agree on. Then we're going to take those and hold them up against the spiritual and biblical idea of wisdom and see what we can come up with. But before we venture in any further, would you join me in prayer as we ask God to help us navigate through his word this morning? God, thank you for a wonderful Thanksgiving week, a time to be able to slow down a bit and to reflect on some things that we have in life to be thankful for, and we thank you for your generosity. Help us now as we navigate through your word and the words of Solomon, that you would bring some clarity and prepare our hearts to respond to what it is that you have for us this morning. Amen. So one of the things that I really enjoy about the book of Proverbs is that it is full of so many universal and, and practical advice. And I think today you are going to find something useful out of this talk. So even if you're here today and you're not sure if you even believe everything that the Bible has to say, I think you're going to find some things useful. And if you're a business person or a leader in any capacity, some of this is going to be beneficial for you today because a lot of what we talk about isn't going to be just biblical principles, but life principles. So I think there's going to be something for everyone here today. So let's jump right into this and ask the first natural question, what is wisdom? Let's sort of get a working definition of this. And a lot of times to understand the meaning of the word, I like to ask the question, what's the opposite of this word? Sort of a roundabout and unique perspective on how to get an overall understanding of a word. And if we look at the opposite of wisdom, We find this word foolishness or folly. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22, it says that a fool hates wisdom. A fool hates knowledge or wisdom. So if foolishness hates wisdom, then they're enemies, they're opposites. And if we take a look at the definition of foolishness, if you look this up, you're going to find something pretty close to this definition. It's lacking or exhibiting a lack of good sense, judgment, or discretion. It's lacking good sense and lacking judgment and lacking discretion. I found this pretty neat website that builds a visual word map. And when I typed in the word foolish, it sort of spits out all these synonyms and related words. And just look at some of the words that spin off of this word foolish. Inadvisable, scatterbrained, goofy, mindless, laughable, idiotic, and my personal favorite, goose-like. I'm not even sure what this word is, but it's a great word, isn't it? These are not words that you want to be associated with. So what if we turn that around now? Okay, what is wisdom? If you look up the word wisdom, you'll find something pretty close to this definition. The ability to discern or judge what is true, right, or lasting. Another facet of this would be your accumulated learning. So now we've turned that around. Now we have the ability to discern. We have the ability to judge what is true and right and lasting. And remember what Solomon 
said to God when he asked for wisdom, God, I need help here discerning the difference between right and wrong, good and evil. I need help gaining some clarity on what to do in life. You ever find yourself in a place in life where you're lacking clarity, lacking direction? Sure, you've been there. We all have been there. We all come to these crossroads in our life when we're just not sure what the next right thing is for us to do. And that can be a very frustrating place to be. And that's why we need this thing, wisdom, in our lives. And Solomon got this. He understood that. Some other things about wisdom. Wisdom isn't something that we're born with. We don't automatically have it. It requires action on our part. It requires intentionality and effort and learning. And this is where it begins to become more about just showing up on Sunday or drifting through life thinking that this wisdom thing will just naturally be gained over time. It doesn't work like that. It takes some intentionality. It takes some effort. So I think we can all agree that we need some help with discernment at times. I think we, know, we can all agree that we don't want to be known as a fool. So here's our big idea for today. It's this statement. I want to be a fool, said no one ever. This is just not something you're going to hear somebody say, at least hopefully not, or you need to find new friends. Because you don't want to be known as inadvisable or scatterbrained, mindless, laughable, goose-like. It's not attractive. So what would be our next natural question? We sort of have this understanding now that wisdom is now the ability to be able to discern and judge what's right and true. So where do we get it? Where do we gain this thing called wisdom? This is going to be where we hang out for a little bit today. And honestly, this is going to be where our biblical idea of wisdom is going to separate from our secular idea of wisdom for a bit. And they come back together, but for now, let's take a look at what the Bible says about gaining wisdom. We're going to land in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. Solomon says that the fear of the Lord is the foundation, or some translations put it, the beginning of wisdom. He didn't leave a whole lot of room for debate here. There's not a whole lot of unclarity here. It's fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, before we go on, I think it's important to understand this verse fully, and in particular, this word fear, because it's not the traditional way that we would use this word. This sort of fear is in regards to having a reverence for or a respect for or a submission to. John MacArthur puts it this way, to come to a place where your own attitudes, desires, and goals are all exchanged for God's. So now we're taking our attitudes, our desires, our goals, and now we're exchanging them for God's attitudes, God's desires, and God's goals for us. So where do we get wisdom? Number one, by submitting to God. That's the foundation of it all. And Jesus modeled this for us. On the night before he was to be crucified, he prayed to God, his Father, And said, God, let your will be done 
not mine. And I think if Jesus, God's own son, had to come to this place in his life, that it's pretty safe to say that we need to get there at some point as well. Because it's when we can get there, when we can fully submit our ways to God's ways and trust in him alone to save us and direct us, then we can begin a journey of true and lasting wisdom. And Solomon got this. He understood this. He gave God the reverence. He gave God the respect that he deserved. And he submitted his ways to, God way, to God's ways. And that's why God was so pleased with what Solomon asked for, that he gave him the world. He gave him everything else that he didn't ask for. So perhaps today you think of wisdom as simply having a lot of experience in life or learning from past successes and failures or having a lot of years behind you or having a deep understanding or expertise in a particular field or think of it as just accumulated learning. And that's all part of it. That's all very important to gaining wisdom. And we can do a lot of these things on our own. We can gain common sense and good judgment and discretion. We can gain insights all on our own. But at some point, you're going to run into a couple of problems with that on its own. The first problem you'll run into is now all of a sudden, the wisdom you're able to gain is limited to your own capacity to learn and understand. And you may be able to borrow a little bit more from someone who has a little more capacity than you, But at some point, that's going to run out as well because we are all limited. The other problem you'll run into on your own is that sometimes God's perspective, God's ideas, they're not going to make sense to us on our own because we want to keep our money. God says you should give it away. We want to hate our enemies, and God says, no, you should love them. God's, or we want to say we have the right to get even with those who have wronged us. And God says, no, hold on. Forgive them even if they haven't asked for forgiveness. And we want to trust known and proven data, scientific evidence. And God says, no, you should trust me because I know what's to come. You see, God knows the future. He knows what's to come and we don't. None of us do, and that's why he alone can give wisdom and clarity and guidance that goes far beyond what we can understand on our own. So submitting to God, this is the primary and foundational source of wisdom. Number two, where do we get our wisdom? From our parents. Proverbs chapter 4, starting at verse 20. And this is a very special verse, I think, for Solomon. Because here we see Solomon reminiscing about his father, David, and the insights that were passed down to him as a young man. And we see David begin to speak to his son. He says, my child, pay attention. Does that phrase sound familiar if you have kids? Pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. So here we have this beautiful picture painted of this father passing down 
his wisdom and insights to his son. Think about your parents this morning. I realize that not all of us got this in life. Some of our parents weren't the greatest examples for us to follow. And maybe this is lacking for you. If that's you this morning, there's still a principle that's established here in this verse, and it's this, that we have to learn from those who have gone before us in life. We've got to find a mentor. If this wasn't given to you, you're going to have to go out and find it. You're going to have to work a little bit harder for this because this is necessary for each and every one of us. And for those of us who did have parents who submitted their lives to God and passed us down godly wisdom, then you should thank God for them. And you should thank them for that because not everybody benefited in that way. So now think a little bit differently. Forget about your parents. Think about your children, your kids. Now this responsibility is on me and it's on you. And that's a little intimidating. Now all of a sudden, maybe you don't want to rely on just your own capacity for this wisdom thing. And that's a good place to be. That's where God wants us to be. The truth of the matter is this whole parenting thing, it's a bit frustrating at times and it's a bit confusing and difficult at times. And I tried to find us this morning some really practical and wise parental advice. So I did some searching and actually found something a little different. This is some bad parenting advice. I thought this was kind of fun. Some of these are a little quirky, but some of these actually hit a little close to home. So here we go. Rules of bad parenting. Are you ready? Rule number one, harass your kids, youth league umpires, and referees. We have no problem with that here. Bad parenting rule number two, make up stuff about history. Bad idea. Rule number three, throw your spouse under the bus. Ooh, moving on. Rule number four, arrange your teenager's dates. That's always a bad idea. Rule number five, blame your kids for everything. And bad parenting, rule number six, of course, never stop for bathroom breaks on family road trips. This is always a bad idea. But in all seriousness, the Bible does speak about what we are to instill into our kids, how we are to direct our kids. And we find that in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Solomon says, to direct your children onto the right path, when they're older, they will not leave it. This is Solomon's challenge to all of us as parents. He's saying, this is your job. This isn't the church's job. This isn't your kid's school's job or their guidance counselor's job. No, this is your job. This is my job. And this verse can become a bit discouraging to parents at times because some of us have tried everything in our power to point our kids into the right path and it just doesn't seem to take. And that can be very disheartening. And Solomon understood that. Solomon got that. Eric spoke a couple of weeks ago about one of his greatest fears as a father. And I think it sort of rang true for a lot of us here. I know it did for me. It's one of my fears as a dad. And it's this idea that at some point, one of our kids is just going to take off and do something completely irresponsible or harmful. Or worse yet, 
turn their backs on God and the church and the things that we've tried so hard to instill inside of them. And Solomon understood this. And that's why he gives us this verse. And sometimes we're left thinking, man, there must have been something I messed up along the way if this didn't happen. And that's not necessarily true because remember that Proverbs is a book of general truths. This isn't a direct promise from God. He doesn't say, direct your kids in the right path, and they will absolutely, without a doubt, continue it for their entire lives because our kids still have to make decisions on their own at some point. We cannot do that for them their entire lives. Solomon said, I can't promise you anything, but here's what I do know. This is your best shot. He says, this is your best shot at helping your kids find their right paths in life is to first submit yourself fully to God and then to tirelessly direct your children. This verse obviously has a spiritual undertone to it, but as we take a look a little deeper into this verse, into this word direct, to direct our children, to train our children, it speaks of something even more than just the spiritual aspects. It speaks of really knowing your kids, being in their world, spending time with them, knowing their personalities, their talents that God has gifted them with because it's our job to help our kids take all of those things that are unique to them individually and help them find their right path. They need this from us, whether they want to admit it or not. Our kids need us to help them find their right path. It means that we need to be the examples that they need to see of doing the right things. It means that we need to prioritize the things that are important to God in our homes. We need to make sure that they feel like they are a priority to us. And it means we have to discipline We have to discipline our children. And this is exhausting. It really is. But it's our best shot. It's our best shot at helping our kids find their way, submitting fully to God, and then to tirelessly direct and train them to do the right things in life. And more times than not, they will remember that when they are older. So we've taken a look at the foundation of gaining wisdom. That's submitting to God. We've looked at this principle of learning from those who have gone before us in life. And now finally, where do we get wisdom from? Through experience and through others. And this is where our biblical idea and our secular idea of wisdom meet back together because this becomes all about experience and age and expertise It all comes into play. Accumulated learning is vital. We have to get around others. We have to ask questions and listen and read and study hard and work hard and try new things and learn from our failures, learn from those around us and learn from those who have gone before us. This is all a vital part of gaining wisdom. So here's the deal. If we can choose this way, the way that God asks us to, of embracing wisdom God's way, we submit fully to him and learn from those around us and embrace 
those who have gone before us. Some good things can happen. Here are some good benefits of godly wisdom that we've learned throughout this series that Solomon has spoken to us. And these are things that can happen if we choose this path. Length of days, long life. We can find guidance. We can find clarity in what to do in life. We can find a good reputation, a happy family. We can find favor with God. This all sounds incredible. Who wouldn't want this in their life? So I think we can wrap and sum this whole day up into this one statement. And this is your takeaway for today. Submitting to God, it's your best shot. Because this is the foundation of it all. Solomon says later in his life, he recaps in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, I've lived an extremely long life. I've experienced everything there is to experience. I've seen everything. I've seen it all. I've done it all. I've heard it all. I've tried it all. And here's what I found, that seeking godly wisdom and submitting to him, it's your best shot at finding happiness in life. It's your best shot at helping your kids find their right path in life. It's your best shot at having a happy home and a happy marriage and family. You see, it's your best shot at finding success in life. It's your very best shot at finding significance in your life. And then he gets very real with us. He says, you know, through my life I have determined one thing. There is one thing that's guaranteed, and it's this, that full submission to God, trusting in him alone to save you, yeah, that's your only shot at finding eternal life. It says this is the only path to eternal life. So wisdom, we're not born with it. It takes effort to get it. It's our responsibility to find it. And it's up to you. It's your choice. It's my choice where you're going to find it. And I'll leave you with one last verse. It's found in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 12. It says, if you become wise, speaking of godly wisdom, you will be the one to benefit. And if you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. I want to be a fool said no one ever. Let's pray. God, again, thank you for this week that we've had. And God, now we ask that you would begin to speak to our hearts and we ask that you would help us to know how to respond to you this morning. Perhaps some of us today, we haven't taken that foundational step to gaining wisdom. We haven't placed our full submission, our full trust in you alone to save us. I pray that if that's the case, that they would do that now, today. And let us all gain the insights and embrace those around us and those who have gone before us in this journey. Let us learn from them. And God, help us to begin to learn how to take some steps on our own, take some initiative to read your word 
so that we can begin to gain this thing called wisdom on our own, establish some mature spiritual health. God, let us respond today. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 915 and 11 a.m.